0: We've covered lots of different passages of Scripture that are familiar to all of us and are readily recognized, frequently quoted, and referred to, but sadly are often taken out of context, misunderstood, misapplied. We've covered a lot of ground in this series and looked at several of those familiar passages. And as we wrap up today... We will look at another very, very familiar passage, one that is just constantly quoted and referred to and put on things. Uh, It will be familiar to all of you, I'm sure. And the area of our focus as we wrap up this series, keep it in context, is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's nothing I can't do, you might hear applied to this verse. Like I can conquer things. I can do these adventurous big things. I have all these ambitions and I've got these dreams and and these goals I want to accomplish. And as long as I really believe, man, Christ is going to help me do it. Christ is going to give me His strength so I can tackle anything that's before me. Anything I set my mind on, anything I want to be, anything I want to do and I want to achieve, I can do it through Christ who strengthens me. You might notice, if you are a sports fan at all and watch any of the NBA games and have for any length of time in the recent years, Stephen Curry, that's a name that just about everybody knows, even if you're not really familiar with with the sport. Stephen Curry has become a, a brand in himself, and he has for a long, long time, I mean, actually back to his college days, he, on his sneakers, he writes the first part of that verse... I can do all things. Now, Stephen Curry, uh, let me just make it clear, he is a professing and confessing believer, one that has had a very strong testimony uh, to his faith in Christ. And that's what he puts on his shoes, and he often refers to that, and he's not alone. There's so many athletes that do this, football players, baseball players, it doesn't really matter. It's become a very common thing to do that these athletes will put either part or even sometimes all the verse or just the reference, Philippians 4.13, on their uniform or on their shoes or helmets or something, and that's kind of become a mantra for athletes, that they before every game, you know, they, they focus on that verse and they recall that to mind. And if someone says, you know, how are you going to overcome this obstacle? They say, oh, well, hey, in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And people might, you know, shake their heads in agreement and and applaud that. But is that what it really means? That's the question for all of us today. Like we've asked of each of these passages that we've looked at that are common and familiar but so often taken out of context, does Philippians 4.13 guarantee some sort of supernatural strength that you can apply to each and every situation you find yourself in? Does it mean whatever you want to do, if you just really believe in the strength of Christ in you and available to you, you will be able to do it? Nothing will be off limits. Is that what it really means? Well, that's the question we want to answer. We want to evaluate, understand, and apply what doing all things really means. That's what we want to talk about today. What doing all things, as Philippians 4.13 says, what that really means. And as always through this series, we've talked about this. Context matters. Context matters. Context, context, context. And so to understand the context surrounding Philippians 4:13, we have to look ahead uh, before it. And so we're going to do that together. I invite you to look with me at Philippians 4:10 through 12. Philippians 4:10 through 12 and this will establish the context of verse 13. Philippians 4:10 through 12. The apostle Paul writing here. And he says, "I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me you were in fact concerned about me in other words i know you were always concerned about me you didn't stop being concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it so the philippian believers they had supported paul's ministry they had supported him personally and they had been a great supporter of him Then it fell off. It went away for a while because of not having the means to do it. But then as soon as they had the ability, they helped him out again. They provided for him again. That's what he's addressing here. Then verse 11. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little And I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned, there's that word again, didn't happen automatically, I've learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. So, you, you see it pretty clearly here. The context of Philippians 4.13 is all about contentment. Contentment. That's the context that surrounds this all-familiar verse. And Paul says, I learned this. This didn't happen automatically. I have learned it. In other words, it took time. It took experience. We're shaped by experiences. We learn through experiences. It was no different for Paul. This is something that he had to work through, grow through. It was developed. It was a process. And what Paul learned, as it relates to being content in any and all circumstances, he definitely learned the hard and the painful way. And isn't that the way it often works in life? Can't you attest to that? That the things you've learned, the things you can honestly say, I have learned this, whatever it may be, that you learned that, the hard way. The most valuable things we learn in life, we learn the hard way. It comes through pain and tears and agony and setbacks and trial. And the same was true with Paul. What he learned as it relates to contentment, he definitely learned the hard and painful way. And that made him very qualified to instruct and challenge others on what it is to be content. Here's an example. In 2 Corinthians 11, you don't have to look at this with me. I just want to wanna to tell this to you and, and read this list of experiences that Paul went through. It's recorded for us in Second Corinthians eleven, twenty-four through twenty-seven, and, and Paul talks about some of his experience with suffering. L- listen to this. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Often that was enough to kill people. And many people did die from such torture. He received that. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea, you know, where sharks and things are. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers. Some of you who have been rafting could identify with that. In danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles. So it didn't matter. They were no respecter of persons. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and I've been naked. I mean, this is what Paul's experiences were like. And this was by no means all-encompassing of his experiences. I mean, he had a lot more to say beyond that. But, I mean, that gives you a picture and an idea of what Paul went through, what he experienced in his life of service for Christ. And it didn't deter him. He kept on going. He kept on persevering. And it's these experiences that no doubt Paul was thinking about as he talks about learning to be content, learning the secret of contentment, that it didn't matter what circumstance and situation he found himself in, he was able at this point in his life, as he's writing to the Philippians, to be content, truly, genuinely content in all circumstances. And what makes what he wrote in those verses, Philippians 4, 11, and 12, Even more amazing is the fact that he wrote that and the entire letter to Philippians, to the Philippian church, while he was in prison in Rome. That's the context of Paul when he wrote the letter to the Philippian church. He was in prison in Rome, where he was for at least two years. And it's from that situation, those circumstances that he's writing when he writes to the Philippians. Philippians is an amazing little letter. It is so incredible. If you haven't spent time in Philippians, you need to do so. One of the the major themes in Philippians is joy or rejoice. He says throughout the letter, I want you to be joyful. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice again. Find your purpose in the Lord and rejoice in that. How is he able to do that? How could he write such things? How could he endure all that he endured while still rejoicing in and still loving and still serving the Lord Jesus? All while maintaining a lasting and powerful contentment. How is he able to do that? The answer is found in the main verse that we're focusing on today, Philippians 4.13. That's how he's able to do it. Philippians 4.13, and this is from the CSB, I am able to do all things And keep in mind some of those things that are part of the all things that Paul is referring to. We just talked about that. All those incredibly terrible, hard, difficult things. I'm able to do all things. Not just the easy, good, comfortable things. The hard, the discouraging, the disappointing, the unpleasant, the uncomfortable. I'm able to do all things through Him, through Jesus who strengthens me. This does not mean I'm able to go out and conquer whatever stands in my way without any problem. I'm able to have whatever job I want. I'm able to pass every single test and every single exam. I'm able to try out for every team and make it. I want to go to the NBA. I'm going to be able to go to the NBA. I want to be president. Nothing's going to stand in my way. I want good things in my life. I'm promised that. That's not what this is saying. What this is saying, what Paul is saying, the Holy Spirit leading him to say and inspiring him to say, is that whatever comes your way, believer, you can endure it. Not through your strength, not through your ambition, but through the strength of your Savior who enables you to stand in the midst of every storm. That's what this is saying. That's what contentment's about. Real contentment doesn't depend on changing situations. It's anchored to an unchanging Savior. That's what real contentment is all about. I'm going to say that one more time. Real contentment doesn't depend on changing situations. It's anchored to an unchanging Savior. That's how the apostles Paul, here in this letter, Peter, John, and the others, were able to endure with joy what they suffered, what they lost, all for the sake of their Savior. That's how people like Corey ten Boom, what an amazing story her whole life was, The Corrie ten Boom, that's how she was able to glorify God and lead fellow prisoners and even soldiers to Christ during her imprisonment, her torture in the Nazi concentration camps, despite unimaginably horrible conditions and the day-to-day experiences she went through. One of the most well-known stories that she tells in her biography is when she was taken to, I forget which camp it was, but the camp environment, the living quarters, it was constantly infested with fleas and lice and parasites and, and just unimaginable things. And her and her sister were there together. And Corey Tinboom, understandably, was pretty downcast. She was disappointed. She was discouraged. She was depressed. And her sister was encouraging her to sing songs of praise to God and lift up her voice in praise and keep praying and not to stop her worship. And Corey ten Boom said, how can you tell me to do such a thing? How could you ask me to do that? This is just too much. I don't have it in me. And her sister said, God has a purpose even in this. Trust me, you'll see it. Well, time went on and the soldiers never seemed to go into that part of the barracks. They would just pass by, which allowed her and her sister to have Bible studies with her fellow prisoners, allowed them to have prayer services, allowed them to encourage one another. It gave them some reprieve from the torture. And finally, it all clicked. They understood. It was because of how infested those barracks were the soldiers didn't come in there. They wanted to stay away from that so that they didn't get whatever was crawling around in there. And so even in that was the blessing and the provision of God. And Cory Tinboom's whole perspective changed. And she was able to be content even in those unimaginable circumstances because of the strength and the provision and the grace of God that was found even there. That's how. A woman named Joni Erickson Tada, which many of you I'm sure have heard of or read part of her biography or other things she's written. Joni Erickson Tata was an athlete, a promising athlete, that had all kinds of scholarships to really any school she wanted and a promising future. She had Olympics in her heart and her ambition to be in the Olympics. She was an amazing athlete. And then one afternoon, she dove off of a boat wrong in a lake hit the bottom of the lake floor and was instantly paralyzed in that diving accident. And she was bitter and she was angry and and she didn't know why this happened. And she went to all sorts of healers and healing services and read all she could read on how God will provide healing and overcome every circumstance you find yourself in. But nothing happened. And then finally, after years of agonizingly dealing with that and wrestling with God on it, She got to the place where she was glad, she says, her words, glad that God chose not to heal her from her paralysis because she came to know and love him more genuinely and she learned what it was to be truly, fully fulfilled and content in who she was in Christ rather than what she could or could not do. That's contentment. Our own loved dear brother Jim Fritz met Joni Erickson Tata and certainly identified with her. He says very similar things in his brief book, Jim's Path. If you've had any opportunity to really sit down and hear from Jim his testimony, his story of what happened to him and what God has done in his life, he would say the same thing that it's not easy, it's not convenient. But he, too, would agree that this was God's best path and plan for him, and it was a path and plan of true contentment. Stephen Curry, I already mentioned at the beginning, that he has a practice of writing Philippians 4.13 on his sneakers. And certainly it started off as a very shallow thing and and something that was what we would Rightly call taking that out of context and misapplying. And Stephen Curry figured that out, thankfully. He would always write that on his sneakers, as I've said. Then, one time, after a very important game, actually, I think it was the finals, when he and his team lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers, he was distraught, absolutely despairing of this loss. And he just couldn't figure it out because he had always believed Philippians 4.13 meant that he can overcome every challenge, every obstacle through Christ who strengthens him. And he really believed that. I mean, after all, I write that on my sneakers. I write it on my locker. What happened? Why couldn't I overcome this? And so he sat down and he was discouraged. And he got his Bible out of his locker, which he apparently regularly keeps there, and he turned to Philippians 4. This time, he actually read above Philippians 4.13. He read the verses that we read today to establish the context. He started reading more and more and more, and he figured out, wait a second. Everything I've been holding up and clinging to, I don't think it actually means what I thought it meant. I don't think it promised what I thought it promised. And so he read more and he, he, he thought about it more and he even went to someone else about it and he figured out finally that what Philippians 4.13 is promising is a great promise and it's much greater than he thought at first, that it goes beyond a basketball game, it goes beyond his own ability as an athlete, that it means that he's able to endure setbacks and hard times, even really painful losses, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to shake him. It doesn't have to change his identity. And he figured out this, which is what he has said after this point, this chapter in his life, which was a very good turning point. He says this, there's more to me than just this jersey I wear, and that's Christ living inside of me. So thankfully, Stephen Curry seemed to figure out that Philippians 4.13 is promising something much, much greater than the temporary satisfaction of winning a game, or the temporary satisfaction of having lots of finances and stability, and the temporary satisfaction of achieving what you might really want here in this life. It goes so far beyond that. What we need to figure out is what Paul figured out, it's what others figured out. Hopefully, Stephen Curry figured this out. And that's this. To be completely content, you have to be complete in Christ. To be completely content, you have to be complete in Christ. We've got to get that down, church. Because if not, we're going to be constantly chasing the ever fleeting things in life. We're going to be constantly chasing the things we're never going to be able to grab onto. Because trying to find fulfillment or contentment or satisfaction in anything other than the person and the complete work of the Lord Jesus Christ will always leave us wanting, always leave us searching. It's an exhausting exercise. You know this. Think about the times in your life when you don't look for your fulfillment and your, complete, your completion and your contentment in Christ alone. Think about those times in your life when you do look here and you look there and you look for satisfaction in people and relationships or contentment in things and in circumstances going the right way. You know how empty that leaves you. We all know that. We know that it doesn't give us what we're looking for. We know when we're searching for fulfillment and that lasting contentment that we all want, we know when we look in sources and in directions other than Christ, we're never going to find it. And we just keep looking and we keep searching. And it's this futile exercise. If we really want to be content and we really want to find contentment, we have to stop chasing all the things that change. And we need to instead be pursuing the Savior who never changes. That's how we find complete contentment, and that's how we find complete fulfillment. So my question to you in all of this is, are you complete in Christ today? Are you personally complete in Christ. Can you say that with all confidence? That you know, no matter what happens around you, no matter what happens to you, no matter what your situation is, like Paul, whether you're well-fed and in abundance or you have very little and you don't know where the next provision is going to come from, can you say that you know with every fiber of your being that you can remain unshaken? that no matter what, fill in the blank around you and in your circumstances and situations, that you will always be complete in Christ. I hope you can say that. I hope with all my heart you can say that. But you can only say that, and you can only know that if you have first, at some point in your life, given yourself completely to Christ. Christ. It's the only way that's going to be able to happen. So that leads to an obvious next question. Have you, right where you are today, you personally, have you ever given all that you are to Christ? Have you given yourself completely to Him? Have you trusted completely in who He is, the Savior, the only Savior, and in what He's done which is provided salvation for you personally, taken your sin, your shame on himself to the cross. Have you received that for yourself? If not, today's the day to do that, to not wait, to not delay. Then, and only then, can you say, yes, I know that I have the ability to be completely content regardless of circumstances in and through Christ who gives me strength. That's how you can apply Philippians 4.13. But it only comes by knowing Him and being in Him completely. So, let's, with that in mind, let's pray. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond in one of these two ways. Let's all just bow together and let's put any and all distractions out of our mind. Let's think about what we've talked about today, what Philippians 4.13 is really all about, the context, the promise that it really is, that regardless of circumstances, regardless of situations, regardless of suffering, you can know that you can endure all of that. You can do those Those things, that's the all things. The storms, the uncertainties. You can endure it. You can go through it. You can get through it. You can be content in all of it through Christ. That's the key. So as I said a second ago, that's the question you need to ask. Have you completely given yourself to Christ? Trusting in Him alone for your salvation as the Lord and Savior of your life. If not, I hope you have taken just these, even these seconds to do exactly that. You can. It's possible. You have breath in your body. You're here. God has given you that chance right now, today, to give yourself completely to Christ if you've not done that before. You can say to him right now, Lord Jesus, I believe you came for me. I believe you lived the life I could never live. And I believe you died the death on the cross for me that I needed, that I could never die. It would never have been enough. You took my sin on yourself. You've offered me life in exchange, eternal life and salvation. I receive that now. I receive you, Jesus. I want you to be the complete Lord of my life. I hope that you have expressed some form of that sincerely in your heart to the Lord Jesus, if you've not done that before. And if you have, if you've been sincere, you genuinely have expressed that out of a heart full of true belief, then the Bible says, if you have believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that He was risen from the dead, you will be saved. My other question, as I asked already, is to you, believers. Are you standing in? Are you walking in? Are you choosing to live in the completion that is yours in Christ? The complete contentment that is yours. It's been given to you, believer. Are you choosing to walk in that? Are you choosing to apply that to any and every situation and circumstance you find yourself in? Our world is full of change. Our world is full of uncertainty. We're not guaranteed any situation remaining the way it is and has been. So what's your anchor, Christian? I mean, like right now, today, what are you anchoring yourself to? What are you anchoring your contentment to? If it's been anything other than your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, then you need to repent. You need to let go of that, turn away from it, and turn back to Christ. And renew your commitment to contentment in and through Him. Renew that commitment. Renew that belief in the fact that you're only going to find contentment in Him. I'm going to pray for all of us. I'm going to pray for you. And as I pray, please, just express from your heart whatever you need to today as we pray. Father, I thank you for your word, your true, living, powerful, unchanging, always relevant word. Thank you for that gift. Father, thank you that through the indwelling presence and power of your Holy Spirit, we have the ability beyond ourselves to correctly understand and apply your word, your truth. One of the Spirit's main roles and responsibilities and the ways that he works is to illuminate your word. Thank you for that. I pray that that is what he will continue to do, even as we leave, that he will continue to illuminate this text and this message and what was heard, what was said, and continue to apply it to our lives. Father, I ask if there is anyone that has not truly and exclusively given their lives completely to your Son, I pray that today was the day they did so. I pray that these moments were the moments of their salvation. And that now they can go forward in new life and in the ability now to truly be content in all things. Father, for all of us who already are yours through your Son, forgive us, forgive me, for pursuing and chasing things other than the Lord Jesus for pursuing and chasing other sources of contentment that will never satisfy, never fulfill, and never lead to true contentment. Help us to abandon those things, those futile searches, and to be anchored once again completely to Christ, finding contentment in him and him alone. Do this work in our lives, I pray, and we'll give you all the praise and glory